from high atop 1926 Hollywood Boulevard. You're listening to SoFloRadio.com. Who could resist? Anywhere else in the country, I was a bookie, a gambler, always looking over my shoulder, hassled by cops day and night. But here, I'm Mr. Rothstein. I'm not only legitimate, but running a casino. And that's like selling people dreams for cash. For guys like me, Las Vegas washes away your sins. It's like a morality car wash. It does for us what Lourdes does for humpbacks and cripples. And along with making us legit, comes cash. Tons of it. I mean, what do you think we're doing out here in the middle of the desert? It's all this money. This is the end result of all the bright lights and the comp trips, of all the champagne and free hotel suites, and all the broads and all the booze. It's all been arranged just for us to get your money. That's the truth about Las Vegas. We're the only winners. The players don't stand a chance. Smooth, baby. How you like that? Smooth like butter, baby. <laughs> I'm Boogaloo Joe Jones. A little confusion in the background. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Groove of Time. Love that tune in the background, man. It's got a bit of a Dave Brubeck Take 5 feel to it. Of course, I am Tony C, and as always, I'm joined live in the studio by the master of production and engineering and the man who makes sure that our groove is satiny smooth. Say good afternoon to Los Georges. Peace, love, and happiness. Baby. Peace, love, and happiness. What's so bad about peace, love, and understanding, baby? Of course, uh, every Groove of Time centers around an Attitude of gratitude. Mucho mahalo to everybody tuning in here in America and downloading the show all over the world. Thank you very, very much. Living the dream, baby. Two and a half hours at a time. I love it. How you doing, pal of mine? I'm doing great. I it's thought, a beautiful day. You mentioned that, yeah, it's getting hotter. It is. It's starting to get warmer we, out there. We Traffic very seems to be getting we've been, less. We've been blessed. We have. I saw your post. You were all uh, primed and ready for the fresh coating of lacquer on your... Uh, on the roller rink, I saw you had all your roller skating. I, I, wheels took, I took my took... skates apart, yes. and I was looking at the mosaic that I had laid out there. Uh, you know, it was the, a great picture. Uh, indulging my OCD, but I really there's a method to that <laughs> madness. It's, I want to make sure that I'm not missing any parts. That's it. I saw and you had all why, the bearings. That's and, why I and lined separate, it all up separated the inner it. compartments of the bearings and everything out there. You know that that feeling that you get like that. That was the feeling that we used to get back uh, uptown yeah. when when the uh, the night cat cafe would put a new felt on the pool table yeah. after somebody either got shot or threw up on it. So they had to clear off either the vomit or the blood, yeah. and they had to refelt the pool table. So it was like the next day, everybody went in and had to regauge the mm. speed of the felt yeah. you know, for competition, because now it's a brand new felt, so it slows it down a little bit. The longer you leave it there, the faster the table gets. It, it's skating foreplay to me <laughs> when, I, when I do that. I, you know, I just uh, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about skating while I'm. Uh, I know you. You know, you, and you know the the skate cleaning device. You know what that thing looks like, right? It's it's that that bottle, and it's got a bolt in it. And you put your bearings inside there with hold them in place with the wing nut, fill it with alcohol, and then you shake it. Oh, it's like wow! Well, you shake it. <laughs> so, I was going to say it's, that's almost as erotic as yeah. those things that they have in, at the beginning of every hole at golf. So you clean your golf ball, right? The Ball cleaner. Oh, it's yeah. very erotic there. It's like the shake weight. You got to you know, pump it up and down. When it makes squishy sounds while you shake it. <laughs> I love that. Hey, we're back after two weeks, of course, so there's lots of stuff to get to today, including Rocky versus Warner Brothers lacing them up uh, for a fight that's sure to go the full 15 rounds. Uh, let me see. There's a federal judge 
who put the kibosh on Kansas inflicting itself on the rest of the nation. Why Steve Mnuchin's first attempt at public Fed speaking sent a shiver up my colon. And I heard a whole bunch of people actually felt the need to peaceably assemble and voice their belief in scientific fact being used as a litmus test. Yeah. Hey, whatever. Another day, another march, right? Right. Oh, and uh, a New York State Supreme Court judge was found floating in the Hudson Mm. River. Hey, whatever. Another day, another body in the river. What can I say? Plus, I got some travel tips from Monty Python, and I'm going to make the case for the Trump administration using the screenplay from Casino as a template. Of course, all of that is going to be amidst the finest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air. Yeah, just past 2 o'clock, the only Hollywood that matters anymore. Yeah. Hollywood, Florida. That means it's just past 8 o'clock on the Big Island. Shout out to Omar and the Kahu crew. Omar getting ready to pack up his bags. And, I don't know. He's he's heading back to part of the mainland. I don't think it's America, but it's the mainland. So good travels to you, my friend. That means it's just past, I guess, now 8 o'clock at night in Dublin, Lytham, St. Anne, Lisbon, and the rest of Western Europe. Yo, Grandmaster Flesh, you about ready to put your finger on the mouse the way Mantronics um, put I'm, the needle ready, on the groove? ready to click it. There you go, Put the needle on. Yeah, put the needle on the groove. Put your finger on the mouse. Put the needle on the groove. Put your finger on the mouse. I got an itchy, clicky finger. There it is, baby. Saddle up and stick around, y'all. It's the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. Bitch. 
is on the corner selling pussy. A variety will give your friend for a ten spot. Christians doing rim shots. Do more heads than barbershops will. Open their legs to the public for a meal. Damn, it's a shame the shit looks unreal. College graduates sometime kneel. Check out the crack scene over there. Those two motherfuckers gonna make about a million this year. Sell to their friends for a Benz. Kill their race for a taste. For what they call or see as being the good life. Gold nuggets, lots of ducats. Beef on number one, 800 asshole. Selling stone so we can see your bones. Cause most crack heads don't have fat legs. Smell all soft and can crack like eggs. You're paying for the flavor, still for the hit. Grandma's walking home so you bust the shit. Send her to the hospital for 20 bucks. Being for a half an hour, that's what. And then you hide for a few, stay low. Ten minutes later, you need some blow. So you'll eventually croak, maybe by a stroke. You don't want the good life, no, you want coke. Now come the robbers, they just steal. They move like cats, some on crack. They'll pick anything up the cheese. These motherfuckers play for keeps.
This gentleman is interested in the India Overland. Morning, I'm Bounder of Adventure. Hello, I'm Smoke Too Much. Well, you'd better cut down a little, then. I'm sorry? You'd better cut down a little, then. Oh, I see. Smoke too much, so I'd better cut down a little, then. Yes. I suspect you get people making jokes about your name all the time, eh? No, I've never noticed it before. So you're interested in one of our adventure holidays, are you? Yes, I saw your advert in the Bala Supplement. The what? The Bala Supplement. The Colour Supplement? Yes, I'm sorry, I can't say the letter B. C? Yes, that's right. It's all due to a trauma I suffered when I was a schoolboy. I was attacked by a bat. A cat? No, a bat. Oh, well, can you say the letter K? Oh, yes. Khaki, Kind, Kettle, Kipling, Kipper, Q8, Keeble, Bollage, Oxford. Yes, yes. Well, why don't you use the letter K instead of the letter C? What? Spell Bala with a K? Yes. Colour? Oh, thank you. I never thought of that. What a silly bunt. Anyway, about the holiday. Well, yes, I've been on package tours many times, and so your advert really bought my eye. Oh, good. Yes, you're quite right. I'm fed up with being treated like a sheep. I mean, what's the point of going abroad if you're just another tourist carted round in buses surrounded by sweaty minus hosts from Ketchard and Boventry and their cloth caps and their cardigans with their transistor radios and their Sunday mirrors complaining about the tea? Oh, they don't make it properly here, do they? Not like at home. And stopping at Majorcan and Bodegas selling fish and chips and Watney's Red Barrel and calamari and two veg and yes. sitting in their cotton sun frock, squirting Timothy White sun cream all over their puffy, raw, swollen, purulent flesh because they overdid it on the first day. And being herded into endless hotel miramars and Bellevues and Bontinentals with their modern international luxury roomettes and draft red barrel and swimming pools full of fat German businessmen pretending they're acrobats, forming pyramids and frightening the children and barging in the queues. And if you're not at your table spot on seven, you miss the bowl of Campbell's cream and mushroom soup, the first item on the menu of international cuisine. And every Thursday night, the hotel has a bloody cabaret in the bar featuring a tiny emaciated Dago with nine-inch hips and some bloated fat tart with their air brill cream down and a big ass presenting flamenco for foreigners. And had an idle typist from Birmingham with flabby white legs and diarrhoea trying to pick up hairy, bandy leg what waiters for Manuel. And once a week, there's an excursion to the local Roman ruins to buy cherry aid and melted ice cream and bleeding what in his red bag. And one evening you visit the so-called typical restaurant with local colour and atmosphere. And you sit next to a party of people from real who keep singing Taray Malinos, Taray Malinos, and complaining about the food. It's so greasy here, isn't it? And you get cornered by some drunken greengrocer from Luton with an Instamatic and Dr. Skull sandals and Tuesday's Daily Express. And he drones on and on and on about how Mr. Smith shall be running this country and how many languages Enoch Powell can speak. And then he throws up all over the Cuba Libras and sending tea postcards of places they don't realise they haven't visited to all at number 22. Weather wonderful, our room is marked with the next food, very greasy, but we found a charming Daniel! little local place Daniel! hidden away in the back streets where they serve Watney's Red Barrel and cheese and onion crisps. And the important is, please, maybe it's because Daniel! I'm a Londoner.
Because the name of the song is Funky Song by Ripple. Yeah, that was a 45, came out in 1973. I played some stuff by them before. Uh, fabulous stuff out of Michigan right there. Before that, a great tune I stumbled across. Uh, it's Giselle Smith and the Mighty Macambos. song's called Working Woman. It was Giselle Smith's first 45. She's uh, she's from England. Mighty Macambos have been around for a while. They've got a whole bunch of really, really, really groovy stuff out there a lot of people want to play with them and so this is just one of them uh giselle smith working woman uh mighty mccombos i think their last thing came out i had it written down here it's called showdown it came out in 2015 absolutely worth getting fabulous stuff great horn section you know what i like it's a real band they got 10 guys on stage playing real instruments so i appreciate you know, like brooklyn funk essentials and stuff like that for that yeah travel tips from monty python we love the it. Classic, yeah. Classic right. stuff. You can't go – literally, it's almost impossible to go wrong with Monty Python. I've got – I, of course, have everything they've done. I have all four seasons of the Monty Python TV show. I have every episode. Before that, yeah, Deep Purple, baby, burn. That is a uh, – from the remastered 
version at 320 kilobytes per second. So we like the clarity on that. Mixed in from that right before it. Yeah, Chub Rock, baby, the night scene from The One in 1991. We like that. There's that line in there, Christian's giving rim shots. Christian's yeah, doing yeah. their rim shots and kicking off the set, kicking off the show. A band called The Improbables out of Philadelphia. The song's called Crawl With Me. They have a new album uh, coming out, I believe, the 28th. So that's going to be this Friday, The Improbables. Great straight-up rock and roll. Something, you know, there's not enough of it out there. So when I come across it, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just I'm picking it up with a ladle. I'm just spooning that shit right in. So The Improbables... And they got a new thing coming out on the 28th. So, yeah, what caught my eye this week? Well, the first thing that caught my eye, and it was brought to my attention by a friend of mine, uh, Marco. Uh, my friend Marco Aurelio, his father is a guy named Richard Aurelio. And Richard Aurelio is the guy that basically um, founded a channel in New York called NY1, which is a New York news channel. It was dedicated to New York. Okay. And it's on cable TV there, and it's been on. For years and years and years. Unfortunately, um, the cable company got bought out by somebody. I have it written down here. uh, Charter Spectrum. Um, And what Richard Aurelio said was, I wish they had waited until I died um, for the changes that were made to NY1 News, the 24-7 cable news station. He helped to start 25 years ago while he was the head of Time Warner Okay, when Richard Aurelio is one of these guys, New York has a history of philanthropy. Um, If you take a look at other major cities around the world, museums and concert halls and stuff like that, more often than not, um, they were built by the state. They build those museums. It's the Philly, you know, these places where it's in New York. All of these museums, okay, were built by private money. And... You know, they they were gifts to Mm. New York, and that's what NY1 was. It was a gift to New York. It didn't have to make money, okay? It was part of the bigger cable thing, and it didn't matter because NY1, I tell you, when I go home, that's the first station I click on. I don't click on CNN or any of that. NY1 is what I look at. And, um, you know, it's what what happened was Charter Spectrum – he, Richard Aurelio said, the station was meant as a gift to the people of New York. It was never supposed to be about making money. Over the past week, NY1's new owner, which is Charter Spectrum, announced the station would be expected to turn a profit. As part of that, this week, it canceled shows and told more than half a dozen longtime employees their services would no longer be needed. Okay, And Richard Aurelio sees some of the moves as a betrayal of what NY1 is supposed to be. When time merged with Warner in 89, Aurelio, who had been the head of Warner's cable systems, was made the head of the newly created Time Warner Cable. And he said he wanted to do something special. And so he created, he said, I told them that I think New York City needed its own 24-7 news station that just covered the city. city. I kept watching local news and there was so little local in it. For every half hour, there would be 10 minutes of commercials, 10 minutes of national and, and international news. Then, in the 10 minutes of local news, you would take away the sports and weather and have very little time for hard local news. And so, Aurelio said he believed that the city deserved nothing less than its own station, devoted to telling the stories of the city and reporting the hard news that people needed to know. And Richard Aurelio started out as a reporter with, um, what's his name, uh, who just passed away, Jimmy Breslin. They were both working for um, Newsday. Okay. And so, that's how he started, and this is just... Another sign to me of 
New York City becoming more and more a gated community. Okay, free. Nothing's free anymore. You can't give something to the city and let its residents use it without somehow paying for it. And I find that a little depressing. And side note on this one, what they used to have years ago when it was first starting out, they would show the uh, whoever the uh, you know the person was, the on-air person <clears throat> reading the news. Mm-hmm. And the background you've always, you know, when you're in these news stations, you've always got people in the background. And in this one, they had the same background. And a friend of mine, Elise Rosen, was mm-hmm. one of the people at one of the desks. So I used to see her every single day on TV. My friend, you know, we were on the same pool team. Mm-hmm. And so Elise was always there for years, for like several years. My friend was always on TV every day, like five, five days a week, all day long. So I always thought that was funny. What else happened? Well, hey, yeah, guess what? A judge on New York's top court is found dead in the Hudson River. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, her name is, let me see. Her name is Sheila Abdus Salam. And she was on the New York Appellate Court. An associate judge in the New York State's highest court and the first African-American woman to serve on the bench was found dead on Wednesday in the Hudson River, the authorities said. Officers with the New York Police Department Harbor Unit responded about 1.45 p.m. to a report of a person floating by the shore near West 132nd Street in Upper Manhattan. You know, they used to dump them off of Red Hook, but now that's where they're making all the TV shows and movies. So I guess they have to dump them now off of, you know, above 125th Street. You got to go above 125th Street because that's where the new fairway is up there. So there's too many people there. So you got to go a little bit north. So they're, they're dumping bodies, and it's a judge. And here's the thing. Basically, this didn't really make the national news. I didn't do this wasn't on CNN, MSNBC or or certainly not Fox. Mm -hmm. Okay, how is it possible that a judge can be found floating in the Hudson River? And this isn't a fucking major story. I'd I'd like somebody to explain that to me like I was a father see here. Nothing right. Nothing to see here. That's basically what it is. I wrote this down. I don't. Uh, Montana will spend seven hundred fifty thousand to avoid making it easier for Democrats to vote. What they did is they wanted to make the special mm-hmm. election that's coming up uh, all mail in. Okay, because the state of Montana is like the least populated state per square mile. So it kind of yes. makes sense. I, I the thing is, is that the thing is, I was reading the article, and this is one of those things where you know. Occupy Democrats were all over it saying, you know, they're doing it to squeeze out, you know, because they know that in mail-ins, the Democrats would have an advantage. Thing is, is that I don't think it should be all mail-in. Okay, you need to give people as many options, as many ways to vote as you can. You can't say you can only do it this way. Make it as easy as fucking possible. Towards those ends, the other one that caught my eye was this one. This, This one, judge orders Kansas official to produce plan taken to Trump. Now, what happened here was a federal judge ordered Kansas's top elections officials to turn over a document with proposed changes to federal voting rights laws that he took to a meeting with President Donald Trump. Now, this was one of those things that showed up on TV. They showed him walking in like this is bef- this is after he was elected, but before he took the oath. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, the Secretary of State, um his name is Kobach, okay? He was actually part of the transition team for Trump. And in Kansas, what they're trying to do is they're trying to change voting laws, okay? Um, 
Let me see. In a scathing ruling Monday, the question Kansas Secretary of State uh, Chris Kobach's candor and credibility. After privately examining the documents, U.S. Magistrate James O'Hara ruled that parts of the documents sought from Kobach are unquestionably relevant to a lawsuit challenging a state law requiring voters to provide proof of their U.S. citizenship when registering. O'Hara's ruling orders Kobach to turn over the documents over to the plaintiffs on Wednesday. And the plaintiffs in this case, of course, are the uh, ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. Mm-hmm. This is one of those great lines from the American, uh, an American president where, you know, uh, the Dreyfus character is going, you know, her and all of her ACLU buddies and, and Michael Douglas goes, you know, I'm a member of the ACLU and you should be too. I mean, their only thing is to def- – their, their entire objective is defending the Constitution of the United States. Right. Their yeah. client is the Constitution. Sure. Right. Okay. And people, okay. Um, Maybe they should change their name to that. Yeah. Right. Defending the Cl- Defending Constitution the- Association. Okay. So after mm-hmm. here, the, um, magistra- um, the magistrate's directive also instructed Kobach to produce a related internal document about proposed changes to the National Voter Registration Act. Quote, if you're being sued under a statute and then you go to the federal government and say the statute needs to be changed, that suggests that you may have a problem complying with the statute the way it is written. That could conceivably help us prove our case, said the guy for the ACLU. Kobach, of course, had no uh, comment on this. Federal federal law requires only a minimum amount of information to determine whether someone is qualified to register to vote. O'Hara chastised the judge chastised Kobach, the Secretary of State from Kansas, for his statements that no document, say, this guy Kobach said no document existed showing he had sought to change the means of assessing voter qualification by amending the federal law, okay? The judge said that his statements were, quote, wordplay meant to present a a materially inaccurate picture of the documents. He's basically, this is, and by the way, this kind of statement, public statement, from a sitting federal judge, okay, mm-hmm. is really almost, it's not unheard of, but it is extremely rare for him to call out a state official and say, you basically, you're trying to fool us or you're lying to us. That's, and that's what this judge said. Um, Kobach had, quote, a duty of candor and a, and a duty not to assert frivolous arguments, the judge wrote, adding any lawyer who takes an unsupportive position in such a simple matter hurts his credibility when the court considers arguments of more complex and nuanced matters. So now this guy uh, was the court calls out the secretary in this case for being less than candid, quote unquote. And he said that the uh, comments about Kobach in this order are very rarely seen. O'Hara's order requires Kobach to turn over information to the attorneys challenging the state's proof of citizenship requirement as part of the evidence-gathering process, and it is uncertain if any of those documents will eventually become public. The ruling allows him to redact part of the, the documents that did not involve voting rights issues. And what happened was, Sky Kobach basically wanted to change the voting rights laws in Kansas, and he couldn't get it done. So as part of Trump's transition team, he went to Trump and said, hey, why don't we just change the national ones, and that'll make it easier for us. That's what happened here. And the judge said, you can't do that. Okay, the law is the law, and you're trying to circumvent the law by, you know, being part of the Trump inner circle. <laughs> you know, what the fuck? Uh, let me see what else. Oh, this one, I, I, always, I love this one. This one caught my eye. I just couldn't resist. Sylvester Stallone suing Warner Brothers for fraud and, quote, this, dishonesty. Okay, the actor claims that the studio intentionally concealed demolition man profits and is seeking to end 
bad accounting practices on Warner Brothers' part for all talent. And this is, you know, without going into the details, basically what Warner Brothers did is they, they said that Stallone in his contract had it so that he would get a certain amount of money, a percentage of the profits, if the profits exceeded a certain amount. Um, I'm trying to remember what what the numbers were. I had them written down here somewhere, and now I can't find them. But I will say that um, basically what they did is they said – ah, here it is. Um, the motion picture studios are notoriously greedy. This one involves outright and obviously intentional dishonesty perpetrated against an international iconic talent. Here, Warner Brothers decided to ju- it just wasn't going to account to Rogue Marble, which is the uh, production company, on the film. Warner Brothers just sat on the money owed to the company for years and told itself without any justification that Rogue Marble was not owed any profits. When a representative of Rogue Marble asked for an accounting, Warner Brothers balked and then sent a bogus letter asserting the film was $66,926,628 unrecouped, okay? But when they were challenged about this false accounting, it made a double-talk excuse, then prepared the actual profit documentation and sent a check to Rogue Marble for $2,820,000. But that's not the, the, the problem here because... When you're talking about movies, you're talking not about what happens in the theaters. You're talking about worldwide distribution, video, HBO, downloads, right, yeah, all of that all stuff. The According to the lawsuit, Stallone got 15% of the defined gross once the picture earned $125 million. Okay? When Demolition Man earned more than $200 million, his take would escalate to 17.5 million, 17.5%. And when it surpassed $250 million, his profit participation would, clo- would climb to 20%. Demolition Man states the complaint achieved at least 125 million. So he's so Stallone's entitled to 15%. Now, say what you will about Stallone, whether you like him or not, he's right. Sure, yeah. He's right. Warner Brothers and all these studios, because the accounting practices in some of the foreign countries can be, you know, mm-hmm. futzed with, Creative. as my mother would say. Futzed with. I always like that term. Yes. Futzed with. And so he's going, and I'm telling you, this is just starting out. And keep an eye on this one, because once they have to go into depositions, these guys are going to have to say, these guys are going to be under penalty of perjury. So all the big boys, they can drag them all into court. Mm-hmm. And once this goes, this is going to go 15 full rounds, baby. Warner Brothers ain't giving up without a fight. This one's going to go the distance. It's going to go to the judge's cards. Nobody's getting a settlement out of this one. Because the load's already rich. So he wants his pound of flesh. And once he gets it, everybody else is going to want their pound of flesh. So keep an eye on this particular case because it's literally just getting started. It could go on forever. But I can't wait to read the depositions on how they say, oh, well, we, you know, it wasn't recouped according to, and then fill in the bullshit blank. They're going to settle. You'll see. You think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they they know. They they, They know, yeah. They can't. Tell they they're not if they go out and tell you what's really going on they're fucked sure all right well there you go and of course this Saturday a bunch of people marched for something hey you remember yeah yeah, the science the science thing yeah they were marching I don't who the fuck cares science who cares who cares literally I I know about marching literally another day on the march do you remember that women's (laughs) march hey me neither I know hey you remember Occupy Wall Street nope neither do I 
Don't remember. March. I'm doing. I'm doing my part. I'm voting with my dollars. You know. And yeah. So. I mean, that's the best we can do. I'm voting with my dollars. Bartering and, more. You know, a lot of barter. Well, g- please, God. It's the you only know, way you can win. I wrote down. I said, "How bad has it gotten that we actually need to be reminded that this is currently the only planet we live on?" Like, do how yeah, bad has it gotten mind. that we need a reminder of uh, that? Never mind. We we are surrounded by greedy people who just who claim. Lord. You know, the one I like the most. I thought this was interesting. Just to bring this in from nowhere because it just occurred to me is the uh is russia just opened up like this huge base in the uh in the uh you know by the north pole in the arctic mm. okay and it's nobody's been drilling up there okay for oil and there's like tens of billions of barrels of oil up there you know what don't compete over it just find something that that makes oil irrelevant yep that's what you do. We don't need to start screaming and yelling about them taking over the Arctic. Go ahead. It's all yours because you're going to be wind up producing tens of billions of barrels of oil that nobody's going to need by the time you get around to extracting it and refining it, which will take 10 years. In 10 years, we can have all electric cars around the world. We could do it. We can have the start of the decline in the use of oil within 10 years. Not everybody will own one. But that will – in 10 years, we could start to see a decline in the need for sure. oil to be used in internal combustion It's energy. going away anyway. It is. Whether we want it to or not. It's going away. So you might as well start learning now to live without it. Absolutely. And once again, Elon Musk, baby. Oh, Look, yeah. I've got five Our shows savior. now that have been downloaded over a 1,000 times, like, which blows my fucking mind. But there it is. Okay, I have five different shows that have been downloaded over a thousand. Sellable numbers? Sellable numbers. Elon, baby, honey, sweetie, big guy. I know you. Okay, we're here for you. Okay, advertise, spend your advertising dollars. And, dude, okay, I guarantee, okay, this is the kind of thing you have jars of change laying around with enough money to sponsor this show. Right? And under his couch. Under his couch cushions. He can literally pull up the couch cushions and sponsor this show for years. So, Elon, baby, honey, sweetie, come and talk to me. (laughs) <laughs> so that's about it those are some of the stories that caught my eye a little later on though i am going to be explaining how well for one thing they're doing it to us again yeah. i talk about this a lot i know it's complicated and i'm going to play a soundtrack a clip from a news conference that i had to listen to several times and then look up stuff to figure out exactly what it was he's saying and yeah I did the homework so you don't have to, and I'm going to explain how Steve Mnuchin and basically the tan the, the White House, which has now become the Tangiers Hotel and Casino from the movie Casino, okay, is screwing us. And that's going to be coming up after the next set. We're going to keep the groove going here. Yeah, the fine stuff doing Big Brother on the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
far as the world was concerned, Andy Stone, the head of the Teamsters Pension Fund, was a legitimate guy. A very auspicious occasion. A powerful man. Philip, if you would rise. He even played golf with the president. On behalf of the Teamsters Pension Fund, my pleasure to present you. But Andy also took orders. And when he was told to give a pension fund loan to Philip Green. For $62,700,000 for the new Tangier. He did what he was told. perfect front man. I mean, what the fuck else could he be? He didn't know too much. He didn't want to know too much. Especially that the bosses made the Teamsters lend him the money. He wanted to believe the Teamsters gave him all that fucking money because he was smart. And where they got Green from? Who the fuck knows? All I know is that Green was an Arizona real estate hustler who barely had enough gas money to come and pick up his own fucking check. And of course it was the boss's man, Andy Stone, who gave all the orders. Not the chairman of the fucking board, Philip Green.
There you go, baby. Steely Dan doing Bodhisattva live from 1974. Actually, that's Steely Dan or whatever. <laughs> that was a, yeah, that's live from uh, Santa Monica, 1974, and it's actually not on any album by Steely Dan that I'm aware of. It was released as the B-side to the 45 for Hey 19, which uh, came out, you know, it was on Gaucho, and I actually have that 45 somewhere. It's uh, on MCA. The intro to that song is just hilarious. They find some drunk guy basically to introduce the band, and he doesn't even know the name of the band. So he just keeps going on and on and on until they finally go, hey, man, the name of the band's Steely Dan. And he's like, here's Steely Dan or whatever. Hey, <laughs> yeah, like he that. pronounced it right. So well, yeah, he got, he got that part right. Dynamite version of the song, though, and like I said, not available on any album. So it's the B-side of a 45, the 45 from A19. Before that, Pat Hunt doing Super Cool. That is from her uh, CD Life Stories came out uh, 2002, three somewhere in there. Before that, a little clip from Casino. Yeah, you know, didn't, didn't know too much, didn't want to know too much. And we had two clips from Casino. And in between them, yeah, I went a little breakbeat crazy over the last couple of weeks. I got my B-boy swirl on. I went past Baby Ann. I got into some of these people. And that was DJ Cali doing a remix from Jesus Christ Superstar. And I told you before the show, you were like, Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah. come on, what? man. I don't know. Yeah, but <clears throat> that two-minute break beat right there. Mm-hmm. They they got some serious. That's yo B boy at its finest, man. I love that stuff. Before before that was another casino clip. Before that, the funk junkies. I am a junkie. That was their first release. I actually knew those guys. I was living in Phoenix when that came out in '93, and uh, those guys, you know, they never really made it big on a national level, but. All of these bands like DMC and mm-hmm. Beastie Boys and stuff got them and took them, you know, had them open for them on like West Coast swings in a tour because they liked them so much. But they just kind of never got national. But they are mm. hilarious. They're great. I like that the beat they're using that they're sampling uh, Zeppelin, Misty Mountain Hop. So, you know, if you're going to sample Zeppelin, you better be the Beastie Boys or the Funk Junkies and get it right. Okay? And, and they got it right in that one, kicking off the set. Yeah, baby. Little Garage Rock from Philadelphia from 67. That is... A band called The Fine Stuff. The song is called Big Brother. That was also released only as a 45. It's on a few compilation albums out there. Some of those Lenny K compilations, Nuggets, mm-hmm. Pebbles, Boulders, Chocolate Soup for Diabetics. There's <laughs> another one of those. So they're doing it to us again. Okay. Um, you know, I took a look at, you know, I was watching Casino. I had, I had downloaded, I have Casino downloaded. I have the movie, mm-hmm. of course, and I was putting it on a uh, thumb drive so I could give it to a friend. And so, you know, I had it in my system. I had it in my regular computer, not on the standalone memory thing, which is why I keep that stuff. And so I watched it again, and it occurred to me that the template for you know, the screenplay is being used as a template for the Trump administration. You've got the White House is now to Tangiers. Trump is, uh, is Philip Green. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the, uh, he's the, the, uh, the figurehead, okay, then you've got what else did I write down? I had I had it all written down. I had Priebus as the Teamster boss, Alan King. Okay. The Koch brothers and oil executives are the Midwest mob bosses. Okay. And um and uh uh Bannon actually is uh played by uh Pesci. By okay. Joe Pesci. You know? And of course we should we should be so lucky to find out, you know, that that he goes the way of Pesci in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that would that would always be good. But I mean, literally, 
That's what it seems like to me. It seems like you've got one guy. And the thing to remember is that in the real world, you know, because it's based on a real story, the guy who's Philip Green mm-hmm. in the movie, the guy who's the real Philip Green in real life makes out like a bandit. He, he profited by hundreds of millions of dollars and was not put in jail. All the other guys got killed or arrested. Well, mostly killed or arrested. Right. Okay. And, um, but Stephen Green, okay, the, the, the you know, the guy they put in there to head the casino, he makes out with hundreds of millions of dollars. He profited by it. And earlier this week, um, a uh, press conference was held at the Department of Treasury, okay, which is now headed by a guy named Steve Mnuchin. Let's take a look at Steve Mnuchin and who he is, okay? First things first, he graduated from Yale in 1985, and he was a member of Skull and Bones. Oh, boy. Yeah, okay? like Bush. Yeah, like Bush and John Kerry mm-hmm. and a lot of people. It's one of those secret societies and blah, blah, blah. They have a um, – you know, I – fuck, I, I should have marked it off. They have – I think it's 322. They have their, their, their logo is a skull and bones with the number 322 underneath it. And one of the things I was reading is that they go back – they, they believe the start of time is 322 B.C. because that's when the Athenians had to accept the rulers um, as plutocrats. Like they took over in a plutocratic way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's the powerful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. After he left, uh, he, he graduated in 85. His, he went and worked for Goldman Sachs immediately in their mortgage department. A nepotism because his dad had worked at Goldman Sachs since 1957. He left Goldman Sachs in 2002, and he took over a hedge fund called ESL. Um, he took over Dune Capital Management. Um, then he got together with a couple of uh, other friends of his from Goldman. Um, he was the CEO, um, and he also invested in a couple of uh, Trump properties, mm. in case you didn't know this. At least two. He's got the, uh, the Trump International Hotel and Tower in Honolulu and the Trump International Hotel and Tower in Chicago. Okay, and here's the ironic part. This is the part I like the most. Dune Capital Management and other lenders to the skyscraper in Chicago were sued by Trump before a settlement was reached. Nice. Trump sued him. Yeah. Then he hired him. <laughs> of course. You really, you really kind of have to have to like that. And there was basically what Trump has done is said, "I want you to take a look at you know because he wants to." Taxes, so mm. tax regulation. We're we're so burdened. Oh, tax burden. It's burdening us. That tax mm-hmm. burden. Yeah. And so he wants him to take a look at it. You've got that clip queued up. Okay. There is what they did is he he gave his little speech, Mnuchin, and he did it before Trump signed a bunch of executive orders because Trump can't get anything done unless he can actually put a pen to a piece of paper and have it done. Trump, you know, just to get this out of the way, it's easier to understand the entire Trump administration. If you do so from the premise that he didn't run for president because he wanted to be president, he ran for president because he wanted to be a cult leader. Right. Well, he wanted to make more money. And well, he's not, always no, made money. No, no, no. Yeah. That's not what it is. He wanted to be loved and followed by yeah. people. He wanted a follower. He was already the on money, TV. The money is, a by, is an interesting byproduct in this particular case. If yeah. he wanted to just make money, he could have just stayed in business. What he wanted was the love of millions of people. He was on TV. This is a big scam. Just, it is just another a, a, racket. It's a total scam. So there's the and and back in the day when uh, when Reagan was in there, there was something called Fed speak. Okay, and it's basically a way for the Secretary of the Treasury or the Secretary of the Fed, the you know these guys, to basically when they give 
testimony before Congress. They say stuff that's just so complex nobody can understand. It's it's a bunch of gobbledygook. It's it's verbal machinations of the worst order. So mm-hmm. I clipped out a little bit of Mnuchin's thing. Uh, just to be clear, I'm pretty sure that he like um like a Jamie Dimon does not subject what he writes to any kind of editorial review because once again guy can't write worth shit on the other hand what he's saying here is so complex i'm not sure it even matters you got that clip queued up i do this is steve mnuchin talking right before uh you know at uh the president's first visit uh to the department of treasury and this is what mnuchin had to say about what he's looking forward to doing hit me with it since day one i have made clear that our priority in working for you is delivering economic growth for hardworking Americans. To this end, we are focused on achieving comprehensive tax reform and regulatory relief for the American people. Your core principles of financial regulations have been guiding our work here and will continue to do so. I am happy to report that we are busy in our review, not just of Dodd-Frank, but the broader economic framework as well. We have met with stakeholder groups of hundreds of people representing small banks, big banks, non-financial institutions, consumers, and regulators. This review is thorough and mindful of our goals. We look forward to delivering our findings in June. Your directives today further highlight the priority of this administration places on fair and efficient regulatory relief. They provide further focus and depth to our mission here. We're going to go back and look to see if the processors regarding orderly liquidation authority and financial stability oversight designations make sense. We now have a targeted mandate in place to review both. As instructed, I will report back to you on our findings. In the interim, you are calling for a much-needed timeout from the Financial Stability Council's process for designating financial institutions is systemically important. Until that review is completed, we have agreed not to designate any new non-bank financial institutions except in cases of emergency. Our goal is to make this smarter, more effective process that reduces the kind of systemic risks that harm so many Americans during the financial crisis of 2008. On orderly liquidation authority, we are going to look closely to evaluate whether its framework is consistent with your core principles. We intend to provide a clear analysis of the extent to which OLA encourages inappropriate risk-taking and the extent of taxpayer liability. We will also note where additions to the bankruptcy code may be more appropriate avenue for resolving financial distress. Finally, today's executive order launches a reexamination of last year's major tax regulations to make sure they do not unduly strain Americans and the economy. The order calls for revision or repeal of harmful rules that impose unnecessary costs and complexity on taxpayers. I look forward to taking a hard look at the immense regulatory burden of our tax code, which consumes billions of productive hours in compliance costs. A significant amount of time has passed since the crisis. With the passage of time and with your leadership, we are now well positioned to evaluate what works and what doesn't. We believe in clear and effective regulations, but not regulations for its own sake. 
Where we can do so, we will lift the burden of excessive regulation to make sure that banks can lend, small businesses can borrow, and Americans' work can thrive. So on behalf of the entire staff here at Treasury, who work tirelessly to make this country prosperous and safe, I want to extend our warmest welcome, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Hi. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not the President of the United States. Oh, that it were so. Okay, first things first, let's just get this straight, okay? What he's – there's so much in here, and Mm -hmm. the thing is is that it's hard to understand it. Now, one of the things – I'm going to break it down. One of the (laughs) things – yeah, I'm breaking – I'm going to break it, break it, break I'm going to break it down to the break of dawn, baby. Quick, 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 quick. I'm breaking this shit down to the break of dawn. He is talking about something called orderly liquidation authority. Now, what you have to understand, yes, okay, do you know what that means? No, you don't. I know what the words themselves (laughs) – mean i understand that okay but orderly liquidation authority is part of the dodd frank bill and basically the the purpose of it is um it said in 2008 this is from the dodd frank Mm. bill Uh, in 2008 large financial institutions that had always been considered quote too big to fail were in dire financial straits the government attempted to preserve some of these institutions with a Ready for it? $1.7 trillion bailout Okay, to companies such as Bear Stearns, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, AIG, TARP, Citibank, Bank of America. Not to mention who? Oh, Goldman Sachs got Mm. money. J.P. Morgan Chase got money. Then, of course, you know, over 250, he said, but despite all these bailouts, 250 banks failed in the period from 2008 to 2010. Lehman fourth largest investment company, uh, filed for Chapter 11. In light of the failure of these two big-to-fail institutions, Congress saw the need for a government authority to provide for efficient liquidation of large, complex financial institutions and to eliminate the potential of, and this is important, to eliminate the potential of future government bailouts now every single american who does not work for a large financial institution so i'm going to say there's 300 million americans who think that's a good idea who think that if these guys fail we shouldn't be left holding the bucket for it right we shouldn't have to pay because they fucked up right well it's 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 where we're it's like the j edgar hoover horse race deal if you win you get paid and if you lose you don't have to pay right yeah, that's, that's the arrangement right, that he had casino, with, yeah. same yeah. thing yeah. that's that's what Pesci said he goes you know, the, he goes, I, I found a surefire way to win. And when he, he's going, and, and the De Niro character goes, yeah, he found a surefire way to win. When he won, he collected. When he lost, he told the bookies to go fuck themselves. You know? Yeah. What were they going to do? Muscle Nicky? He is the muscle. Right. <laughs> That's exactly. Some of the things in here, um, he says, your core principles of financial regulations have been guiding our work here. Shut up, Steve. Okay, Mnuchin's out of his mind because I'm not sure Donald Trump has any core principles right. other than he needs to be loved please love me mm-hmm. please revere me please let me know how right i am and how wrong everybody else is um the p- priority of this administration fair and efficient regulatory belief uh relief we want to go back and see if the processes okay um make sense um he's calling for much needed time out from the Financial Stability Council. Now, that's the group, okay, that that takes a look at these very large, complex 
financial institutions, the Goldman Sachs and, and J.P. Morgan Chases of the world, these investment brokerage houses that have merged with banks. And, mm-hmm. you know, all these guys are doing the quadrillions of dollars in derivatives. Right. These are the companies. This is very, very complex stuff. I've tried to explain it. I explain it. I read it. I understand it. Two seconds later, I've forgotten what I read. It's so fucked up. And what um, he said that what he wants to do is uh, we have agreed not to designate any non-bank financial institutions except in cases of emergency. So what he's saying is we're not going to label any brokerage house, a regular bank. Okay, your local bank, they can still take a look at that. But the big guys, no, we want to put the we want to we want to put a kibosh on that for a little while. I wonder why. Wonder where wonder where his motivation lies. And um an orderly liquidation authority um on he goes on orderly liquidation authority. That's the OLA, orderly mm-hmm. liquidation authority. That's what was set up in Dodd-Frank to make sure that we can't get fucked again like we did in 2008 to the tune of $1.7 trillion in top, mm-hmm. okay? He goes, we are going to look closely to evaluate whether its framework is consistent with our core principles. Well, you know what? Your core principles are greed, you fucking piece of shit. So right. I'm absolutely certain that they do not fit in line with your core principles because you're an asshole. You're a greedy fucking asshole. We also, we will also note he said, where additions to the bankruptcy code may be a more appropriate avenue for resolving financial distress. What he's saying is, hey, you know what? If these big guys like Goldman Sachs get fucked up and, have, and go broke, okay, we want to let them file for bankruptcy. You know what that means? Only the law, okay, when, when a company like that files for bankruptcy, okay, and people want to get their money, the bankruptcy court pays the person who is owed the most Mm-hmm. First, so if you're a small-time <clears throat> investor and you've got an account with them, forget it. You're going to get squadoosh, pal. That's what he wants to do. He wants to eliminate that, okay, is something that can be done. Finally, today, he goes, finally, today's executive order launches a re-examination of last year's major tax regulations to make sure they do not unduly strain Americans and the economy. The order calls for revision or repeal of harmful rules that impose unnecessary costs and complexity on taxpayers. Hey, let me tell you something. Nothing could be more unduly, uh, what is it? Un, uh, what? Nothing could be more harmful or complex than the shit these guys are doing every day in the Wall Street casino. They're pie gal poker, man. They're, they've invented ways to make money. None of the power reverse dual currency note. Right. Who's I'm into that baby. Power reverse dual currency notes for all my friends. Right. If I knew what it was, sure. I'd package it up. <laughs> along with a bunch of other bullshit deals. I look forward to taking a hard look at the immense regulatory burden of our tax code, Mnuchin said, which consumes billions of productive hours and compliance costs. Um but this is the line that really that Mnuchin said that should should just should make your, you know, your fucking bunghole, like, mm-hmm. tighten up, like, literally clench, closed. He goes, quote, a significant amount of time has passed since the crisis. The crisis. A significant amount of time. It's less than a decade, you dildo. Mm-hmm. With the passage of time and with your leadership, referring mm-hmm. to the president. Okay, don't even get me started. With your leadership, we are now well positioned to evaluate what works and what doesn't. Okay. I want to make sure that everybody here knows what this motherfucker just said. 
Okay. What he's saying is they want to go back and because I said this last week, they want to go back and turn back the hands of time on Dodd Frank. Mm-hmm. Dodd Frank was put in place so that 2008 can't happen again. Right. And what this guy's saying is, you know what? We've learned a lot since then, so we don't need Dodd Frank anymore. Right. Okay. What? Yeah. What he really means is, we want to get rid of Dodd Frank so we can do what? The we same do thing. it again. Yeah. So we can do it to you again. You're, Come on, just give me a little bit more. I, I got, I got a good, I got a good lead on a horse over here. Just give me a little I've bit more. I got the horse right here. His name is Paul Revere. Can do, can do. Yeah, baby, little guys and dolls yeah. for your afternoon there. Unbelievable what these guys are trying to do. They have set up, and I, I read through the Dodd Frank provision on orderly liquidation authority, and. It's not. You know what? You should go and look it up. Um, it's not that complex. It's not written in legalese. It's written so that you can understand it. The orderly liquidation of Dodd-Frank is a, provides a process to quickly and efficiently liquidate a large, complex financial company that is close to failing. Okay. Okay. Do you under, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Do you understand that? I understand I that. Understand. I know what yeah. that means. Okay. They want to be able, when they take a look at a company and they see that it's about to get, it's about to go under, they want to be able to step in and before the shit really hits the fan and the average investor gets screwed nine ways from Tuesday like he's the new boy with a kitty rape beef around his neck on the third tier at Danamora, mm-hmm. they want to go in there and say, no, we're going to take over and liquidate it in a in a way that does not we want to get to it before it goes underground. Mm-hmm. And so that way more people can get what they're owed. I Okay. Sounds does that sound cuz that sounds right to me. Sure. That sounds about right. Title 2, which is Title 2 of the Dodd-Frank uh bill, it's the order liquidation is already provides an alternative to bankruptcy. I understand that in which the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, that's the FDIC, mm-hmm. these are the people that make sure that when you put money on deposit in a bank, if the bank closes, mm-hmm. you don't lose your money. If the bank gets robbed of everything, you don't lose your money. Right. Okay. It's insured. The Federal Deposit Insurance right. Company. <laughs> okay. They want – okay. The the bill says it provides an alternative to bankruptcy in which the FDIC is appointed as a receiver to carry out the liquidation and wind up the company. The FDIC is given certain powers as receiver and th- and a three- to five-year time frame in which to finish the liquidation process. That sounds about right. That's about that's appropriate. Okay. Sure. Three to five years. It sounds long, but it's not. It's very complex stuff. You have to figure out stuff. But the goal here is to have the fewest amount of average citizens screwed. So if that takes three to five years, okay, I'm, so I'm okay with that. All right? Um, let me see. It's aimed at protecting the financial stability of the American economy, forcing shareholders and creditors to bear the losses of the failed financial company, removing management that was responsible for the financial conditions of the company, and ensuring that payout to claimants is at least as much as the claimants would have received under a bankruptcy liquidation. That's what, that's plain English. Mm-hmm. That actually is plain English. <clears throat> Mnuchin, mm-hmm. not so much. No. Mnuchin is Fed speak. The, the bill itself, the Dodd-Frank bill, Title II Orderly Liquidation Authority, that mm-hmm. portion of it is written in plain English. Read it. Go ahead mm-hmm. and read it and then come back to me and tell me why you think it's bad. Right. I dare you to. This is just like the, uh, the, uh, the bill that say, you know, the, the Congress saying that cable companies can give away our browsing history. Right. Find me an average American who thinks that's good. 
Sure, right. Find, find me, anyone, find anyone, bring find me anyone bring who isn't me bought here off. In this fucking the room. only people that the the closest thing that has, that has come to an argument is I don't care because I use a VPN. It's like okay, so fine. what? It First of all, they have the, your history. Google's your history. Right. It's, it's still they they have your signature, your data signature, which you know that knows that's your computer. This is, they have the profile. This is you. the exact same thing. <laughs> they he don't wants care if, to, if, they, if, they, if you make them think you're in Uzbekistan. They know that's they you. Don't care. Right. And this is the exact same thing. There is nobody out there. Which, by America. the way, what an attitude. Oh, it doesn't affect me because I'm smart. Like, that's not the point, that's asshole. Not, right. And this affects everybody because yeah. if we recall in 2008 when all when the shit hits the fan, people lose jobs. So it does yeah. affect you, lowly job person working mm-hmm. for $15, $17 an hour and trying to squirrel away a little money so the kids can go to college or you can take a vacation or you can pay off your mortgage. Because if this shit goes down under, we're going to be left holding the bag again if mm-hmm. they take away Dodd-Frank. And that's exactly what he wants to do. That's what he was saying. All of that speech, all of that gobbledygook that he said, mm-hmm. okay, is all about saying, hey, guess what? We want to be allowed to fuck you again Yeah, without your permission. Find me an average American who thinks that's a good idea. Explain Dodd-Frank to them. Let them read it. Mm -hmm. Most people with a high school education who read it slowly and say, hold on a second. Uh, What does that mean? Okay, let's move on. Because I have to fucking do that. Mm -hmm. All right? And I'm into this shit. Right. All right? But if you do it like that, you will figure out that Dodd-Frank is good. Certainly this provision of it is good. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, no, it's stifling the ability for small banks to lend to borrow money from big banks to who borrow money from the Fed, it's stifling our ability to borrow money and kickstart the, uh, you know, the economy. First things first, they don't need to borrow money. They have tons of it. They've been hoarding mm-hmm. it. You goddamn greedy fuckers! Right. They don't need to borrow money. We gave you 1.7 trillion, and then 520 of your highest executives got million dollar plus bonuses after we bailed you out. We paid for 520 people. To make millions of dollars after fucking over the world. That's what we did. And Dodd-Frank seeks to make that not possible anymore. Now, you tell it like that to the average person, they're going to say, oh, that's a good idea. So why does Mnuchin mm-hmm. want to get rid of it? Because they want to do it all over again. That's exactly. They're doing it <laughs> of course. to us again. Sure. Pay the fuck attention, people. I beg of you. I am literally on my hands and knees. Don't blow this off because it sounds complicated. It is complicated. And that's the way they want it. They want to make sure you don't understand it. So when you get screwed mercilessly, there's no way for you to figure out what happened and they can pawn it off on somebody else. What is God? I Damn sw- it. I really, this yeah. is just another example of how we're, they're, they're, I, I, I know. Can we start the impeachment now, please? And, and, and halt everything that the administration is doing? Uh, you know, what? In the, you interim? know, the thing about Dodd Frank and, and, I, I have one piece of hope here. Dodd-Frank is, needs – in order to get rid of it, you need Congress to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think senators if, – if Congress gets rid of this, every person who votes for it should be fired from Congress because, it, because they have committed a federal crime. They have been bribed through campaign contributions to say yes to something that they know their constituents – don't approve of they were hired to look out for their constituents and if they approve this they're going to be looking out for their banks and i don't want to hear from any of you new york guys going well you know the banks actually are in my district fuck you okay fuck you unless your district is below canal street new york go fuck yourself i don't want to hear it 
They are crooks. They are stealing from us. And Congress is going to, and they're trying to get Congress to allow them to do it. I, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz is our, is our mm. congresswoman. Yeah, yeah I know. Yep. Okay. Yep. She says, she even comes close to saying yes to this. I personally will oh go over God. to her office and scream at her very loud. I will scream and scream and scream and scream. <sighs> Get rid of her. Wow. This is why Pelosi pisses me off. You know why they keep yeah. her in office? Because she has the ability to raise money more than anybody else. That's not your job, you fucking bitch. Your job is to look out for the best interests of your constituents, of at least 50.1% of the people you and correct me if I'm wrong on this, swore to serve servant of the people, public servant. Nah. That's what Mnuchin's supposed to be. He's no. a public servant. No. As a secretary of the treasury, as an appointee to president, your job is to serve the president and his job is to serve the people. Therefore, vicariously using the transitive property, your job is to serve the people. How does this serve the people? Explain this to me, please. I am begging you. It serves certain people. It serves certain people. There yeah. you go. That's, and there, there you go. Dude, that's how we finish it right, right there. Good. I can't get any better than that. I'm begging you. Pay attention. All right? Listen, listen to the wise, sage-like words of my man, Gramps Master Flash. <laughs> we keep the groove going here, yeah. Cut me loose by push on the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com.
one, two, three, we all back on four, you better wake up.
Illinois from the Wasmen, and you're listening to Mr. C's Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. Come 
understand So it's not you want to know Because of the time you lose your bank Then you got to blow You may not be got what it takes He's an untold boss You got to use it carefully You can't be a dollar Every night Oh God, get in
for a head-on collision, crash for complete control. The pistols left behind a swindle and a scandal that nobody wished to handle. Sham 69, you're left in a shambles. Generation X was next. Elvis and Nick Lowe's ago, with the help of the attractions. Joe Jackson said it wasn't his style. They've had not survived the lives on top of a rock. Devo didn't know if they were dead, because they could not get no satisfaction. The rats were caught in their own trap. Steve's ratings began to change. Ultrabox had a system, credit work made them, and the yellow magic orchestra missed them. Eno rose below. Flitz became raster, and the bushcraft played faster and faster. I'm going to give the bass player some, you know? Gave the drummer some, gave the bass player some. Phil Linnett, yeah. That's not who you know. Phil Linnett, yeah. Thin Lizzy. That is talking in 79. That is from his uh, first solo album. It came. It's called Solo in Soho. came out in uh, 1980. And I was reminded of that song because I'm watching TV and uh, I saw that the next um, new Saturday Night Live is going to be, I believe, May the 6th. And the musical guest is going to be LCD sound system and i played a track by lcd sound system uh last year track called losing my edge okay that's okay when you if you listen to lcd sound systems losing my edge now you know where he got the idea for that song because it's basically a ripoff of this phil linnett song so we love phil i mean he's passing away and stuff but still one of the great and he really kind of shows off himself as a as a really good drummer he's not you know you know, you hear these rock and roll guys just like rock and roll, dun, 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 mm-hmm. dun, you know. But he gets the job done before that. Yeah, the man, the man, James Brown. You know, that's it. I was I was telling you over here that uh, that song is called It's a New Day, and it's from the album It's a New Day, Let a Man Come In. That came out in 1977, and it was James Brown's 33rd 
studio album release. 33 albums by 1970. Now, it's not all original stuff on all 33. The guy came out with 33 fucking albums, man. That's something. That's a, Yeah, and he did some of his greatest work after that. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Before that, yeah, the Wasp Men. Shout out to my man, Alon Portnoy, the frog out there, doing what I want. Those guys out of Kansas City got our industrial swirl on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, kid did. over there, a little prodigy. Wake up call from always outnumbered, never outgunned. And kicking off the set, band called Push, uh, mm-hmm. a song called Cut Me Loose, a 12-inch they released back in 94. Those guys are from London as well. They were uh, originally a band. It's kind of an outgrowth of a band called Groove Nation. So, you know, that's near and dear to my heart. I think we've yacked enough about people who are screwing us over. So I'm now going to get back to the people who take care of me. Yeah, you know I'm talking about. Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida, 954-247-9362. Absolutely the place you want to go. Internal combustion engine produced after 1900. Dave and the entire ASE certified crew are the place you want to bring it to. Very easy to get to. Right off of 95 in Atlantic, 60 seconds off the highway. I absolutely groove with Don approved. Okay. Elon Musk, you want to muscle in on this. You want to muscle right. in. I'm here. Reasonable rates. Reasonable rates. Right. We super serve. We've got, and now sellable numbers. Mm-hmm. Sellable numbers. Glo- and yeah, global. Yeah. Global ever, show. Ever growing. That's we're, right. We're gro- global show. But for the moment, my man Dave gets the job done. He is the man. If you go to the SoFlow Radio dot com website you click on the box on the top row that says tony sees soflo groovathon mm. you're going to see my page within the site every single show i have ever done is listed there with a link to allow you to listen to or download every single show i've ever done for free Amen. that's why i need you elon come on baby yeah you know, mnuchin wants everybody to pay out the yin yang and i want to give groove away for free we're, who's right in this argument? Okay, right. who's who's standing? Who's the virtuous one here, pal? All right. If you go to the every song I've ever played is listed there too. Every song on every show is listed there, so you can see what gets played at the very top of the list. You can see a description of the show and a link for Precision Auto Works. You click on the link; it takes you directly to their site. Easy to get to in Pompano Beach, Florida. Nine five four two four seven nine three six two. Mention the Groovathon. There is a discount, but you won't need it. But it's always nice to get it anyway. Another thing Mnuchin would never give to you. You know, sure, I could give you a discount, but fuck you is probably what he's saying. Right. All right. It is absolutely the place where people who love their cars take their cars. And with that, we're going to kick off the drive. I got. I went a little kind of sideways this week. Got some acoustic stuff in there. Mm-hmm. This first track is a guy by a guy named Spencer Elliott. And uh, it is just him with an acoustic guitar and it's very interesting it reminded me a little bit of Stanley Jordan a little bit of um Aldi Aldemilo Pacadelucia John McLaughlin where they tap on the guitars as a beat thing mm-hmm. he does all of that guy's name is Spencer Elliott and he's going to kick off the drive groove on the Groovadon on soflowradio.com <laughs>
that's how you get it done. Alan Holsworth, Metal Fatigue from Metal Fatigue. That came out in 85. Alan Holsworth, of course, just recently passed away. He's one of the, uh, you know, Coriel. Larry Coriel just passed away uh, maybe a month or two ago. And now Holsworth is going. Those are two of the uh, the founding fathers of fusion guitar right there. That was his uh, third album. came out in 85. Chad Wackerman on drums. Chad Wackerman, of course, was uh, Zappa's. Uh, long-time drummer. Before that, Al Demiola. I found a version of I Am the Walrus that George likes. I found no, it. I didn't hate that. Yeah. it's uh, That is uh, Al Demiola doing I Am the Walrus from his album All Your Life. It was uh, it came out in 2013, and the entire thing was recorded. Here's, here's something you're going to like. It's all Beatles songs that he's redone and done in that style, mm-hmm. and the entire thing was recorded at Abbey Road oh, Studios. Fancy that. Yeah. So, you know, authenticity. We like it. For that, one of my favorites, Simo, Stranger Blues from Let Love Show the Way. He's got something new coming out this year, so I'm kind of in a Simo group. Before that, we love it. Jerry Reed and Chet Atkins from the Jerry Reed Show doing Jerry's Breakdown. And we were talking about what's great is that that was live television. Those two guys are so good, they just sat down and did that shit, and it's awesome. I've got a uh, a clip from that show with uh, Jerry Reed and Doc Watson that is mind-boggling in its raw talent. And kicking off the set... And an interesting song, as I said, Spencer Elliott, the name of the song is called Torque, and is from his CD Unspoken, which came out in 2016, and it's just him with this acoustic guitar, and he's, you know, this is a guy who was into the bad brains and stuff growing up, he he was really into punk rock, mm-hmm. and so he did a lot of music with various punk rock bands and just that and the other thing, and he's kind of gone out on his own these last two CDs and done a kind of a different style of music. But with that edge, mm-hmm. you know, that he's got with him. So I highly recommend that if you've never heard of him. And I hadn't up until recently. A guy named Spencer Elliott. And uh, the CD, he's got, I think he's got a new CD that's coming out. I think he's got something new that's going to be coming out later this year, which is how I kind of got tipped off to this. But uh, that song, Torque from Unspoken. Good say, if you like that kind of music, I recommend it highly. It had that ode to Stanley Jordan about it where, you know, he's using the harmonics and tapping to get a fuller sound, you know, because I remember Stanley Jordan did Eleanor Rigby. Okay. Yeah, and he did it by tapping on the oh, okay. on the fret. And, you know, Stanley Jordan got discovered. I actually saw uh, on stage at the same time Santana, Stanley Jordan, and Pat Metheny live all together at the same time, which is, you know, that's some guitar action right there, boy. Yeah. Girl. Stanley Jordan used to sit down on 48th Street, okay, which is where all the uh, – the uh, music stores, Sam Ash and Manny's Music, uh, in New York, between 6th and 7th, and, um, and or between 5th and 6th, I, I'd be somewhere in there, but it was on 48th Street, and it, one of my favorite stores was there, it was called We Buy Guitars, that's the name of the store, Okay. and Lord knows, they bought and sold guitars, they had guitars, man, <laughs> it was like, you walk in and just start drooling, and Stanley Jordan used to sit on the uh, street, he would sit down in a little milk carton, and play, and that's how he got discovered. One of those, I, you know, I like that. Yeah, his uh, first CD came out, um, "Magic Touch," I believe is what it was called, "Magic Touch." So, but there you go, little Spencer Elliott. Hey, man, another another day, another show. Indeed, you know, great stuff. We're going to finish off the show with somebody else who just passed away recently, near and dear to my heart, Jay Giles. Yeah, from the Jay Giles band. Yeah, the guy who, who found it. Another New Yorker. He's originally mm-hmm. a New Yorker. Moved to Massachusetts to go to college, but born and raised in New York City. And uh, Jay Giles, you know, their music, they've got some stuff out over the years yeah. and years and sure. years and years. They've very, got very good. 
quality ride. And, you know, say what you will about some of that stuff like Centerfold. And it's not, you know, you know you for what it is. You know, you got to pay the rent. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. For what it is, yeah. I'd rather listen to that than Huey Lewis in the News. Sure, absolutely. So I, I do believe we're created by the CIA to uh, – you know, as part of a government plot or something. <laughs> Huey Lewis. I think they're government subsidized or something. Government that subsidized. doesn't make sense to me. Why San Francisco. I, that's There's a tough one, though. They're out of San Francisco, Huey something. Lewis. So those people, an, they generally don't warm to he, that kind he, of he's, thing. He's an android. He's a replicant. I don't well, know. Well, Jay Giles was not. None. Right. Okay. And, um, you know, Full House uh, Live still makes my top ten. That's in my top ten live albums with, you know, Allman Brothers you know, Phil Maurice, the song remains the same, and I'm sure I'll throw Frampton Comes, you know, Frampton Comes Alive. I'll throw that in there, you know, even though it's it's been so overplayed that we all get sick when we hear it, the fact of the matter is, it was overplayed for a reason. It, right. it really was that good. So, uh, Full House, one of my favorites, but I picked out a track to, uh, to get us out of here from the very first Jay Giles album, and it's a self-titled album. The song is called Serves You Right to Suffer, and... He's got a lot of really, really. There's some great Jay Giles stuff out there, and this is this is a great, this is a rock and roll loss, man. Mm-hmm. You know you, you know the soundtrack to our lives. Indeed, growing up, Jay Giles part of the soundtrack, you know, of mm-hmm. my life as a kid, and um, yeah. you know, so his passing away, and so I dug in. Of course, I have every Jay Giles album ever recorded. I have the complete discography. That's not my bowling ball. That's not, not a bowling ball. That's that, my wife. That's not a bowling ball. That's, there you go, baby. Hey, man. Fantastic. So I'm going to come back in two weeks. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and do the exact same thing again, just a little bit better. Although I have to say, no, this one, no editing yeah. required. Okay. We, we got I, this I one down. You'll, you'll, there's, some adjust, there's some level adjustment. Maybe. Yeah. Something. A, I don't know. A, a, we'll see. A little teeny bit. But as always, for myself and the master, Gramps Master Flash Los Georges, it is Peace and aloha. Good night, Mom. Serve you right to suffer. Serve you right to be alone. Serve you right to suffer. Serve you right to be alone You're living in the good days, baby But your good days gone Good days gone The doctor got me on, baby He got me on meal The doctor got me on, baby Got me on milk Cream And alcohol And that's why I can't sleep at night
right to suffer, baby. It serves you right to be alone. In the good days, but all your good days are gone. Give me just one more, one more, one more night, one more night with you, baby. One more night. Streaming live from the beautiful city of Hollywood, Florida, USA. This is SoFloRadio.com.